Good morning, church. Please stand. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that we are here on this earth and that we're here in your presence and that we get to be a part of the things that you're doing, Lord. And we thank you that you are a God who still does miracles in our lives. And we come before you today in humbleness, in thankfulness, and expectant to see you move in our midst.
Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desire is known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep you in eternal life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Children, if you would come forward. <laughs> you got here before I did. Wow, this is an excellent crowd. We're going to have to spread out a little bit so everybody can get up here closer. This is an excellent, excellent crowd. If you would, 
reach out your hand and pray with me for these young warriors off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we ask you always to fill these young people with your wisdom, with your courage, with your skill, and with your love. Always watch over and protect them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> this morning's first reading comes from Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, in order to bring, about, bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, this morning's psalm is Psalm 103, and we'll say it responsively by the asterisk. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your truth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes righteousness. Justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. The, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He will not always strive with us. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. For as the heavens are high above the earth, as far as the east is from the west, as a father pities his children, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be
This morning's second reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 9 through 12. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. The word of the Lord. on our minds, on our lips, and on our hearts as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're reading from Matthew's gospel, chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, the master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii, and laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should repay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should not you also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. 
the gospel of the Lord. have forgiven all our debt, Lord, that you have paid the price for us, that we are set free in your goodness and in your love. I pray this morning as we dive into your word that you would change our hearts to be more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So if you needed a reminder of our sermon last week about forgiveness, I think you got it in our readings today, right? (laughs) There's... So much of the richness of Christianity is born out of the forgiveness of God. And we are ambassadors of that forgiveness to the world. Amen? Today I want to talk a little differently. I wanted to highlight the psalm. I just, as I was reading through the readings, it really grabbed a hold of me. This Psalm 103, one that we're very familiar with, that we've probably said hundreds of times. Uh, But as I was reading into it, I just was really impacted by the type of person who could believe what's in this psalm. And I wanted to be like him. And so this morning, I want to talk through it. And there's something I want to advise to you as we walk through this psalm. I don't know if there's a better way, if you're looking to make a change in your life, in your attitude, in your character, in your disposition, than praying the psalms. Because there's something about them. Yes, read the entire Bible. It's awesome. The story will change you. God will speak to you. But praying through the Psalms has a particular power to change our attitude. And so if you find yourself thinking, man, I'm just upset all the time. I'm just angry all the time. I'm just complaining all the time. Try praying the Psalms. I will tell you, it convicts me every time. I don't think the way that this psalmist thinks, or I don't pray the way that the psalmist prays. And when I pray the psalms, it reminds me of 
who God is and who, how I'm supposed to respond in these situations. And so as we dive into Psalm 103, it really starts right away with an attitude change. In fact, I like to imagine that David, who wrote this psalm, was having a bad morning. And he felt like, you know what, I need to go worship the Lord. And this is the prayer that he came up with to worship the Lord. Now, we don't know if he was having a bad morning, but man, is this effective if you're having a bad morning. Let's read this here. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's the command phrase, right? He's ordering himself to bless the Lord, to praise. I think sometimes we start to think in our uh, minds that, The true Christian life is the guy who wakes up in the morning or the woman who wakes up in the morning and as they're waking up, coming out of their lips, thank you, Jesus, for this day. And they're smiling and they're happy and they're, you know, and that was just my mom. That wasn't everybody else in the Christian life, right? At least it felt that way from my perspective, of course. Come to find out, guess what? The reason she came into my room singing the Psalms and singing praise songs is because she was changing her attitude in that time. And so we get so concerned with our normal disposition. Well, I'm just a grumpy person, or I'm not happy like Christian Harris, or I'm not, uh, I don't have the energy of these people that you see that you, you feel like they just exude joy, right? Well, I'm telling you today that actually the Christian journey is one of transformation. You don't actually stay where you're at. And so if you feel like you're someone who's constantly afraid, constantly angry, constantly sad, pray the Psalms. God wants to change you. And I've seen, I I can tell you, I've seen people who have been shaped by a practice of following Jesus and praying the Psalms, and they are different after than they were before. If you're not different after walking with God for years, then something's wrong. He wants to change you. Dive in. He wants to bring you that life, that peace, that joy that we were singing about this morning. And I love that, right? All that is within me, bless his holy name. Because we contain the multitude in ourselves, right? There are times where bless the Lord, O my soul, is exactly what I want to say. But we also know there are times when complaining about my circumstance is exactly what I want to say. There are emotions and dispositions, and ultimately what we're trying to do is we're looking for a whole person transformation. Every part of us, that at no point we don't have the disposition to praise the Lord. But you know what? We never get there. Instead, we command ourselves, even when we don't feel like it, to bless the Lord. And so let's continue, because now he's going to tell you not only bless the Lord, but he's going to explain why we're blessing the Lord. What are we praising God for? In verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Now, the first verse that I just read out of that gives us a hint. How do you wake up and decide to bless the Lord? Well, one way that's crucial is to not forget his benefits towards you. If you were aware, truly aware of everything God had done for you, and you were able to maintain that awareness, don't you think you'd be blessing the Lord? And in fact, right, if we look at this list, he 
He forgives your iniquity, heals your diseases, he redeems your life from the pit. Who wouldn't be praising God if you had that at the forefront of your mind? How he has saved you, how he had blessed you, how he had healed you, how he had forgiven you. And so when we look through this, we start with forgives. And I actually opened reminding us the forgiveness and how we have to accept God's forgiveness so that we might forgive others. So we need to remind ourselves we've been forgiven. If you're walking around thinking, thank God I'm in the church. Thank God he chose me. I bring so much benefit to this room or this place. Then you're forgetting the benefits. You're forgetting that God actually forgave you out of your debt, out of your sin, out of the place. And, you know, I don't know. I'm reminded daily of my sin, so it's hard for me to put myself in that mindset. But I know that, you know what, I will do after a full day, a great sinful day, I will justify everything I did. I will work really hard to prove that I don't need God's forgiveness. Well, Haley, I bought that because it makes so much more sense. And, but it didn't follow our budget. It didn't, you didn't ask God for wisdom. Yeah, but you know what? It was really important that I bought that board game or whatever it is that I bought at that time. Or I, you know, I yelled at my kids, but you know what? They needed to see the anger, you know? They needed the anger to come out. And that really helped them, like, shape up, you know? It's like, well, maybe you could love your kids the way God loves you. Maybe the anger could stay away. Maybe the greed can stay away. Maybe the materialism could stay away. Maybe I can remember God's forgiveness instead of trying to prove to everyone how great I am. God's forgiveness is the reason why each one of us is called, chosen, valued. So you don't have to defend yourself. All you got to do is throw yourself on his mercy. It is always there. And God is a healing God. There are many things we're praying for in our home group regarding healing. On Wednesday night, we had a great time praying for people's needs. We need to believe and walk in faith that God is a healing God. There is nothing, no problem you face that he cannot heal. There's no problem you face that he does not desire healing for you. Now, working that out and walking that out is a lifetime of relationship with God and with your community, praying for people and seeing this work. But man, can we have faith and expectation because he is a healing God. He redeems your life from the pit. We just read in our Old Testament the end of the Joseph story. The best story in all of Scripture, in my opinion, is the Joseph story because man, nobody got treated more unfairly than him. He got sold into slavery by his brothers. He got thrown into a literal pit. And God, in that midst of that story, raised him to be the second in command over all of Egypt, to save the known world at the time with the wisdom of God. He redeems your life from the pit. Are you in the pit? Well, guess what? Your Redeemer is coming. Praise God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, even in the pit, because my Redeemer is coming. If you're in a bad place, All you need to know about God is that he's on the way. He is coming with your salvation. Look to him. Don't try and save yourself. Look to God. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, even on the day when you mess up. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The steadfast is the great word in there, right? Because I I have difficulty loving my wonderful wife and my wonderful kids. And I can't imagine how hard it is for God to love me. 
or for that instance, for my wife to love me. But there's a steadfastness to God's love for you that goes beyond anything you can imagine. We, if we aren't justifying ourselves, are often talking about how awful we are. We often have a whole narrative in our head about how we're so unlovable, undeserving, unworthy. Well, God can't do that for me. Look at how awful, how much I've messed up. Both of those, I'm justified by my own works and I'm the worst and unworthy are completely bogus. God is your justification. God is your worth and he has chosen you and he is steadfast towards you with his love and mercy. Bless the Lord. And then he satisfies us with good. I know in this room, every one of us is hungry and thirsty. Maybe not physically, but there are things that we are hungering for, that we are thirsting for. There are dreams, there are visions for our life. Well, who is the one who satisfies your hunger and your thirst? It is God. Every good thing comes from him. It's not Amazon. It is not McDonald's. It's not that bottle of really nice scotch. It's not the TV. It's not your sports team, believe it or not. Although the Cowboys did great last week. Just want to mention that. But you cannot find your satisfaction in the things that fade, that pass away. You've got to find it in God. And once you find it in God, guess what? All of those things, the bottle of scotch, even the McDonald's every once in a while, can be a great blessing and benefit from God our Father. We can thank Him with honesty for everything we have when we're looking to him to provide our satisfaction. And then our youth is renewed. I have bad news and good news with this one. If you have back pain and stress in your body due to being old, I don't think that's what he's talking about. I don't think you're going to be transformed to be a 25-year-old athlete because your youth will be renewed. That's not what I'm talking about. That's the part about the healing, right? God can heal you, but that's not what we're talking about in this verse. When he says your youth is renewed, what is he talking about? He's talking about making you a dreamer again. He's talking about lifting up your faith and expectation. He's talking about if I woke up Rowan and I said, Rowan, we're going to go to the greatest place in the world today. Rowan would jump out of bed and say, yes, where are we going? And then God holds out his hand to us and we're like, Do I have to get out of bed? That thing that changes in us, we can build up this layer of cynicism. You don't have to, but it tends to happen. As you get older, you get tired. You get cynical. You get spiritually arthritic. And when God invites you into that new thing that he has for you, we count the cost a little too much. We start making the focus, well, then I'd have to do this or that. God wants to renew your expectation. He wants to raise you up on wings like eagles. He wants you to soar with him. There is no age at which you stop being invited into the goodness of God. Your youth is renewed. In fact, we think that David was writing this psalm at the end of his life, just based on historical evidence. And I can imagine him looking at everything he'd done, everything he'd gone through, and maybe he woke up that morning tired. And everybody's wondering who's going to take over as king and how are we going to do this? And the Midianites are threatening and these people are happening. And he's like, God, I need to be renewed. I don't want to be a grumpy old man. There's a reason why that's such a stereotype. Because it happens if you let it. God wants to awaken you to his goodness today. He wants to renew your youth. And you know what? I've met 16-year-olds who are older than my dad. 
At least spiritually, they acted like grumps, cranks, cynics. God wants to renew all of our youth. Okay, so those are all the things God's doing as we're blessing the Lord. Remember his benefits towards you. What else does God do? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. People are hungry for righteousness and justice in our time. There is so much exposure of injustice and evil. There's even celebration of injustice and evil in our time. And we need to look to God to work righteousness and justice. Instead, people are looking to organizations. They are looking to political parties. They are looking to woke religion. They're looking to climate change cults. They're doing everything they can to fix the world except look to God. And by they, you know I always also mean us. We are so easily put on a bandwagon, and then we get in this fight that God never called us to fight. We need to start with what God is asking us to do. He's the one that's going to work our righteousness, our justice. He's the one who goes to bat for the oppressed. And you know what? If you look to him to do that, he will activate you in your sphere to bring righteousness and justice. He doesn't want to do it alone. He's not a genie. He is an empowerer and an earth shaker, but he works through humans. He works through us. And so look to him for righteousness, justice. If there's something that really bugs you in the world, ask him what he wants you to do. Ask him where he's moving. And we can trust him. If you look at Moses, right, he's bringing that up because that is the history of God redeeming oppression, bringing people out of slavery, setting people free. That was one of the greatest stories of oppression and injustice in history. They were slaves to the gods of Egypt, and they were throwing their babies to the crocodiles. It doesn't get much worse than that. And in that moment, God broke what was going on in Egypt. He brought Moses and his plan of salvation. Once again, he used a man. He's always looking for men who are willing to do his work, women who are willing to do his work. He used them to break the greatest power in the world at that time. You know, in our culture, we have the same problem. The materialist, capitalist, crony capitalism, all of the structures that are bent to make you a slave to an image of America and the American dream that is not God's image for your life, that's another form of slavery. If you just can't help but spend your money on all the wrong things, that's the advertisers trying to enslave you. But God comes to set you free. And then if you look at abortion, what else is that except sacrificing the babies on, the God, on a false God's idol, an idol of selfishness and self-obsession? So who do we look to when we're looking at a world that's shaped like that? We look to God to work our righteousness and our justice. And we keep on talking about who God is. That's what's so great about the Psalms. As he prays, he affirms God's character so his prayers don't become twisted by his own image of what God can and can't do, who God is and who God isn't. He reminds himself, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. 
He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He's merciful, gracious, slow to anger. Who here at some point in time has thought God is mad at me? I have. I think all of us have. Well, guess what? That's not God. God is gracious, slow to anger. He's not mad at you. Yes, absolutely. God has hopes and dreams for your life, and you can choose to cooperate with him, or you can choose to uh, symbolically break his heart, right? He actually cares what happens in our life. He feels the disappointments. He feels the pains, but he never resorts to anger against us. But let's keep talking here. He said all that, and then he goes, he does not always chide. He'll discipline you. He'll let you know when you've displeased him, but not because he's angry. That's the big dichotomy. We were talking about it at home group. Somebody asked, when I do something wrong, does God punish me for that wrong? And the question was an interesting one. Because it seems kind of like, yeah, he, he's just, so he has to, you know, set you straight. But we got into this great conversation about the discipline of God. What's the difference between punishment and discipline? Punishment is, you did something wrong, now you deserve to feel wrong. You deserve to be, uh, have pain inflicted on you. That's punishment. It's a justice thing. We've got to balance the scales. So if you did something wrong, something bad has to happen to you. That's not God. In fact, Jesus took all of that punishment on himself, and the scales are forever balanced in your favor. There is nothing you can do to tip the scales of God's love and mercy towards you. He's already paid the price. So then why does God discipline us? Because discipline's about discipling you. He wants to change you. So yes, he absolutely allows us to experience the consequence of our mistakes. Because if we didn't, we'd go on making them. He is so committed to who he has called you to be that he will let you experience the pain and difficulty of his discipline. But when you learn to understand who God is and his heart towards you, it's the same as a father's heart, we're told, right, towards his child. Do I discipline my kids because I want to get back at them? Hopefully not. God help me. But man, I discipline them because I want to see them thrive. I want to see them go way beyond anything I've ever been able to accomplish. I want to see them in the fullness of God's love and goodness. And that's God's heart towards us. And it's why Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. The S word, sorry. Uh, you don't want to be stupid, right? You want to be the person who loves God's discipline you want to learn you want to grow you want to ask god for input god i'm really feeling it today like what is going on guess what he might just tell you he might just lead you guide you he might be a good shepherd who wants to walk it out with you and trust me where he's taking you is so much better than anywhere else you could imagine And it says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. 
for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. It's good news all the way down. There is no part in God where you're like, oh, shoot, that's not good news. Now, it requires a heck of a lot of death. In fact, Jesus, our greatest symbol, our greatest hope, God himself died for us and invited us to participate in that. Take up your cross and follow him. But man, when you have a God who can take your transgression and move it as far as the east is from the west, it is so worth it to go the way of the cross. In fact, I think there are probably people in this room, because I know I'm one of them, who have felt the burden of their transgression, even to this day. And God wants you to know, it is not on you anymore. He has separated that from you. If you're still wrestling with it, when you realize that, come get prayer, come get healing, go to the right of confession and reconciliation. God wants you to be free. And he already paid the price. He's inviting us to walk it out. Like we sang in one of our songs today, I can't believe that I get to carry your victory. You chose me to carry your victory. Every one of you is not carrying sin and guilt and shame. You're carrying the victory of Christ in the world. And he's inviting us to live in that reality. And he knows our friends, frames. He remembers that we are but dust. That's such a picture of God's care and love for us. There is no hurt, no burden, no pain you feel that he does not understand fully and intimately. That he does not bear for you and with you. He took it all. Fifteen, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. We need some humility. That's what I'll say for that one. We need to be aware of the fact that we are just like dust that blows in the wind. And yet, at the same time, we're called to change the world. We're called to conquer the world for the kingdom of God. It should break our brains to try and figure that out. Let's keep reading. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's, to children's children, to those who keep his covenants and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. We'll just keep going to the end here. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm going to end with this today. I love what the psalmist does here because he reminds us that we are not the only players in the game. God has his angels. He has his hosts. He has the saints who have gone before us. He has the church that's living now. He has the church that will be. And he invites us to participate in that. Because a few weeks ago I mentioned how we can read the Bible with our modern day self-obsession and we can totally twist the meaning to be all about us. But at the same time we have to understand that it starts with you. It's about us. 
But every invitation starts with how you respond. The expectation is that the church is responding to the salvation of God. We are called as a community, not just as individuals, but every individual is called as an individual to bless the Lord, oh my soul. So he talks about the hosts and the saints and the everything, right? Every, all of God's creatures, whatever spiritual beings, I think more than we could even imagine, exist. He's saying, bless the Lord, and he ends with that most powerful phrase, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And so as we end today, as we think about all the things that God has done for us, forget not his benefits towards you. Look to him for your salvation. Remember, you are forgiven and set free. Forgive others. All of the things we talked about. And a great way to start every day, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Amen? And his promises are everlasting. Amen. Let's confess together what we believe. I believe in one One God, God, the the Father Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. And I believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, mindful of our many needs, let us approach God and humbly ask for his abundant grace and provision for us and for the whole world. That the church will take seriously the ministry of reconciliation committed to her by Christ. Lord, in your mercy that the church will humbly put aside her divisions and prejudices and work toward unity. Lord, in your mercy, that the leaders of nations will courageously seek reconciliation and peace. Lord, in your mercy, that those who have been involved in abortions will repent and find the true forgiveness offered to them through Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, that we will be a thankful people remembering God's great mercy towards us. Lord, in your mercy, that the poor, the abandoned, the homeless, and the addicted will find their needs met in Christ and his people. Lord, in your mercy, 
that those who care for the sick and dying will be filled with the compassion of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to demonstrate your love and forgiveness to the lost and the dying world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of God. Great word. Kids are I have a couple of announcements today. I want to call your attention to no praise dance practice today. Yes, no praise dance today. So if you show up, you'll be dancing alone. (laughs) Next Sunday, we are having our 50th anniversary potluck. Uh, for uh, the Feast of St. Michael's this year. So next Sunday we'll be celebrating. Bring desserts. It also says drinks, but I want you to bring desserts. (laughs) Bring desserts and we will have a wonderful time. Um, Men, if you are able, we are meeting early on Saturday in order to move tables and clean up uh, spaces uh, like where the children will be playing. So we will need your help. If you'll be here, we very much appreciate that. And what else, Jesse? Well, I just wanted to say about the uh, 50th anniversary. I just think God's doing something important in our midst. He's affirming who we are and that this is going to be an important and anointed service. And so I just want to make sure to invite you, invite your friends, whoever you can get to be here. It's going to be powerful because God Amen. is doing something in the midst. And it, it just worshiping even today with you, I was just looking out and just feeling God's pleasure towards St. Michael's. And his call of identity is going to be reaffirmed in, for the next 50 years, the next 100 years. This Amen. is an important moment in our life. And so just pay attention. God's doing something special here. Amen. I agree. That's very true. Be here next Sunday for that. The celebration is just beginning there. There's movie night. There's fire night. Men's retreat. All those items on the calendar. Don't miss out. Amen. I appeal to you, brethren... By the mercies of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Amen.
it is right to give him thanks and praise. He's freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful life. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whatever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ is dying. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our bishops, and all of our clergy. Remember those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ 
to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you have made us worthy to share eternal life with Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, with the apostles, the martyrs, and all the saints that have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ taught us, we're bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who were called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I'm, not I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be saved. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God. torn 
Bye. 
Yeah, you certainly don't want to miss next week as we celebrate that 50 years. And I'll tell you why. Because we're in a good place with God. We're in such a good place with God right now. And uh, we just stand before Him with thankful people. And uh, we've been faithful. We've been faithful. And uh, the Lord has just really, really big plans. And we truly are going to demonstrate a generational church. And, uh, we need to all really hold that up to the Lord. And I tell you, it gives me strength every day to do my part because uh, I want to see this go on and on. That was a terrific message, too. And the message here, the message we have is for a lost and dying world. And it's a message of hope, of new life, and of ever-increasing, courageous people changing the world for Jesus. And that's who we want to be. From the littlest ones to our oldest one. <laughs> Amen. So let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Remember the gospel God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.